heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Episode 31 of the YWC Football Podcast begins right now as I'm joined by a very, very special guest because him and I have some very, very big grievances to air. He is the co-host of the Pats Nation Podcast, writer for Pats Pulpit, Pat Lane. Uh, and also, too, something to mention, Patriots season ticket holder, something that I would love to be one day, but I unfortunately can't because I'm not from the Boston area. But Pat, welcome to the YWC Football, Pod- YWC Football Talk Podcast. How are you feeling today? Hey, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm not feeling great, but, uh, you know, it could be worse. could be a lot worse, but, man, uh, that was that was some game. That was some game yesterday. It was it was uh, pretty damn ugly, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I know. I felt the same way. Like, I'm literally watching this just like, okay, like, when it was like 3 nothing, I'm like, okay, we've been here before. They get an opening drive, and then it was 6, and then it was 9, and then I think we made it 9-3, and then it was... Like, just the fact that it was field goal after field goal after field goal, and Locke's just here converting and, like, showing out. I'm just like, okay, when are we going to get something started? And then, like, eventually not, nothing happened. So I'm just like, and then they gave us that little bit of, I was going off the tan- rails right now, but that's how I feel. Then they gave us that little bit of hope, and then I don't know yep. what happened with Nikhil Harry on that drive where he went, like, he out and then he turned back in, but then the ball just, like, went right by him. So, like... There's a, there's just a lot of questions to answer from yesterday. Well, and so and, and that's that's really the issue. And I think you know people talk about the weapons and they and they say oh the weapons are there and, and and so like this this is what happens right when you're doing well and you're playing well then no one talks about it and when you struggle then everyone brings it up right and so it's like what's wrong with Nikhil Harry and what's wrong with this guy and what's wrong with that guy and, and listen I I am not I am not a film junkie I I just I'll, I'll be honest right away. But the film guys that I watch, you know, they're like, look, the All-22's out, and it doesn't look good for Cam Newton. It does not look good for Cam Newton. And the offensive line, too, obviously a big issue. But there are guys open in the middle of the field, on the sidelines, and he's not hitting them. And so, you know, the question the question becomes, can Cam be that guy? That's, that's the question. And I know he has the incredible athleticism with his legs, and he can make throws in the pocket. There's no doubt about that. Okay, there's no doubt about that. Now he, he did underthrow Jameer Bird significantly when he had he had three steps on the guy, and he underthrew him. Unfortunately, it would have been a touchdown. It was an incompletion. And so, you know, but the hard thing is in this offense, and I know they've changed the offense a lot, but realistically in this offense, you need to get back, you need to make the read, you need to get rid of the damn football. That's what you need to do. And if he can't do that. They're going to have some real problems, and and I think that that's one of the reasons why Edelman has struggled the last few games is that, you know, they that's the type of player that he is. He can't just run deep every play, you know. And I think there's something wrong with Edelman too. I mean, there's no other reason why he wouldn't be on the field. I mean, Edelman plays every snap typically, so for him to not be on the field, there's got to be some sort of injury going on. But my biggest concern right now is Cam Newton. That's my that's my number one concern because he looked great in the Seattle game, throwing the ball like crazy. He looked subpar in the Oak in, in the Vegas game, but they won, and he did a lot with his feet. And he looked really bad this past week. And again, some of that's on the offensive line, some of them some of that's not in practice. Everything else, right? I get it. But the fact is, is that you still you're in the pocket. You're playing quarterback. Make your read. Make your throw. Like you know. There's no amount of practice that needs – you just go back there, find it, throw it. Like it's just not – to me, you know, the, the whole practice thing is over is overblown. So that's the frustrating part for me. And I know the weapons are definitely a concern. They clearly don't have enough weapons. But the number one concern for me is Cam needs to get the ball out of his hands because there are guys that are open and he's not hitting. No, I, I feel your thoughts exactly. Like the one – when you say he holds on to the ball for too long – the uh, Chicolo sack, like, right away, I'm just in my living room literally going, like, throw the ball. Like, just please get rid of this ball right now because you, the longer you hold on to it, something like that's going to happen. And what happens, you get sacked. And right. even, too, like, like you said with the offensive line, like, I, David Andrews, like, once again, has proven to be a big absence for this offensive line. Uh, 
The fact that they got banged up, I'm just blanking on the player that got hurt yesterday. Um, Illuminor, yeah. Illuminor. And even, too, there was one sack on Cam that I noticed where Isaiah Wynn was guarding, I think it was Malik Reed, and then he just kind of let his, like, he's like, okay, I'm just going to, like, lean back and relax for a second. And then Reed got right by him and sacked him. So I agree with you on the thing with Cam, like where Miami, you know what, he did it on his feet. Seattle, he was throwing, he looked great. And it's like the team that we saw against Seattle to what we saw yesterday, it's like, okay, who took the Patriots and changed them? Because, like, like, the team that was on the field yesterday, I didn't recognize compared to even three weeks ago against Vegas, like you said, Cam played subpar against Vegas, but he still did enough to win, and also to the fact that our defense showed out. But that's even the big point to yesterday, too. They're not saying, oh, I'm worried about the Patriots, I'm struggling. The biggest bright spot I still make is that our secondary unit bailed us out from making that game go from how close it was, because it could have been a complete ass-whipping. If like players oh, like yeah. J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Joseph... Um, we're going to, I, I, it's hard to ignore that horrendous hold on Gilmore when they were just like, had, like hand fighting, but yeah. our secondary is literally the backbone of the defense right now. And also too, I, Chase Winovich has really grown on me this year, but besides that's the one point I just wanted to make that I feel like outside well, of Pat's nation is getting ignored is the secondary. Well, not that's a, the thing. I mean, I think you've seen a lot of strides. I think Jawan Bentley played, you know, his best game as a pro clearly on Sunday, uh, Adrian Phillips had a very good game. And then the secondary played great. I mean, Drew Locke was 10 for 24 throwing the ball. I mean, the problem was they couldn't stop the run. And I know, listen, they they only allowed 18 points. I get that. If you allow 18 points against a team like the Broncos, you should win. And I, I understand that, and I agree with that. However, they were missing arguably their three best offensive players. Melvin Gordon, Cortland Sutton's done for the year, and Noah Fan. Those three guys are gone. There's no reason they should be running all There's no reason they should be running all over you. You have a great secondary. You know that. You should be able to stop the run, and they couldn't. And I know Adam Butler went out at one point during that game, and so we'll hope, you know, we'll hope that he's healthy, but, you know, he comes back healthy at least. And I realize that they got some guys in and out, but, like, you have to be able to stop the run. They can't throw the ball. And so, yes, I do agree that the, the, the defense played well on Sunday. The issue that I have is that when the first six drive drives all end in points, and three of those drives are are 12, 13, and 15 plays, you can't win that way. You, you can't. Now, listen, you should be able to. Okay? When I say you can't win that way, you shouldn't be able to win that way. Because realistically, if you only allow 18 points, you should win every game you only allow 18 points. I get that. But when the offense is really struggling, like they were, you have to get off the field. You saw what happened at the end of the game. They picked those two passes off, and all of a sudden the Patriots are back in it. You know, And, and that was all defense. It was all because they held in all those field goals. And the offense could never get anything going, but I still wanted more out of that defense to get those stops, and they weren't able to. And so, listen, am I complaining? Am I saying they lost the game because of the defense? Absolutely not. The only reason they were even close to in the game at all was because of the defense. But they're going to have to clean up, certainly against the run, they're going to have to clean that up because they they were susceptible, as they kind of have been all year, they were susceptible against the run. And I think that that's going to come with time. Boucher is going to be, you know, hopefully is, is available to come off the IR. Bentley took a step forward. Phillips took a step forward. You know, uh, Penny Jennings was out there for a little while. So we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens with those guys. But, like, I just think overall you're going to, you need more help. You just need more help. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see everyone talks about them trading for a wide receiver and let's get another guy and let's blah, 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 blah. And we'll see if that happens. But I'd be shocked, absolutely shocked, if they didn't make a move for A, a linebacker, and or B, a defensive lineman. And I think their D-line, they have, you know, they certainly have some depth, but like Bo Allen still isn't off the IR. He's still not healthy. Brian Cox on the COVID list, so like, who knows when he's coming back? So there's all these question marks up in the air about all these guys, but you have to shore up your front seven. So to me, I mean, I look back, you know, and I don't even remember what year it was. Akeem Ayers comes in. I think it was 14. They tried, they trade for Akeem Ayers. He made a big impact on the team. Guys like that, you know, not, not, you know, Kyle Van Noy was, it was a mid-year trade. I mean, so, you know, a, a guy who's a little unheralded, maybe, you know, hasn't fit in the system that he's in. And you bring him in, and maybe he's good, and maybe he's just like a, a contributor. Van Noy obviously turned into a, a, a big contributor for them. And the key mayors was fine. But he he made some consistent plays, and he was a guy they could depend on, you know, as as a kind of a fill-in guy or a gadget guy here and there. And so 
that's what I expect from them at the deadline. Will they get a weapon? Maybe, maybe. But like the issue to me is not is not the weapons that they have, and I know people are pissed about the weapons they have. But the issue to me is not weapons that they have necessarily. It's how they're using the weapons. Devin Asiasi, what the hell? What the hell are we doing? What are we doing? What the hell are we doing? I, I just I don't I just don't understand. And so that stuff for me, where it's like, yes, focus on the defense, the offense, figure it out because you got to get these guys involved. You know. No, exactly. And like even too, like we have some tough opponents coming up, minus the Jets, obviously. Um, I could go on all day about that, but I don't want to. Um, we've got the Niners this Sunday, which I'm like, after Miami, I'm like, okay, maybe. But if the Niners play the way that they did yesterday, and we pull up the way we did against the Broncos, straight up, it's going to be an ass whipping. Like, I fully expect, yep. like, oh, who's Bill going to take away? Like, I know Mostert's probably headed back to the IR, but like, George Kittle looked great. Debo Samuel looked great. Uh, Jimmy looked great. I know we're going on a Niners tangent, but it's our next opponent, so like I kind of have to. Kind of like watching that game last night, yep. being like, "Hey, how are we gonna handle all these weapons?" The only sign of saving grace is the fact that like how banged up their defense is. But even too, their defense, like Goff, could not throw the ball to save his life last night. So if they get a situation where they make Cam throw, we're screwed. But if they, if our run game can play well, like Rex Burkhead can bounce back, James White can finally have a good game. We'll have a chance, so we'll see. But, like, you're right, too, with the defense where the defense is, like, they're they're holding it down right now. Like, for example, Kansas City, where for the first while they made Mahomes look civilian or pedestrian. Yep. But then, obviously, that game got out of hand and stories later. But you're right, though, in the sense where they have to go out there, not necessarily acquire, like, this big-name wide receiver weapon, which, like you said, using ACI. The other guy I'd like to see in the lineup, too, is Dalton Keene, but he can't ever seem to find the lineup. If they could just act like you're right, just go out and get a simple linebacker, not do anything overly complicated at the draft, not that I was going to say the draft, at the deadline, they could be set. And also, like you said, Josh Uche is injured. Um, Derek Rivers is on the uh, COVID list now. Cowart's still there. So it's this all big wait and see, but at the same time, too, it's kind of like, okay, we're 2-3 and three now. If we can go 2-2 two and two or even worst case, or 3-2 and two or worst case scenario, 2-2 two and two next, during these next four games, I think we're good. We go one and three. There's going to be trouble. Like I know everyone on ESPN, especially too, likes to do that whole. Oh, is it time to hit the panic button? Or are we going to freak out about the Pats? I'm just like, I'll take it one week at a time, see what happens. But the more and more, and especially too, that November first game against Buffalo is looming, which I want to win more than anything right now. Well, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest game of the yeah. season coming up, right? I mean, obviously two and three, you got to win this week. You got win this week you know the week after that against buffalo you have to if you win these next two games all of a sudden you're four and three the bills are playing the jets this week so that's a layup so they're going to be five and two but if you're four and three and the bills are five and three and you just beat them now all of a sudden all of a sudden everything that's going on in the division gets kind of turned on its head a little bit and you start looking around like hey we have a chance to win this division and and listen i don't want to count the dolphins out i know the patriots you know beat the dolphins pretty good week one but like the way they the way they laid the wood down on on the Niners, and the way the Niners responded last night against against what I thought was a very good Rams team, uh, I mean that was a little shocking to me. And then you see you know the Dolphins go out and win again this weekend, not getting to play in the Jets, but like you know, it's one of those things where I think the Dolphins are are, are kind of for real. We kind of have to take them seriously at this point. And so to me. I look at it and say we are now in this in this thing where the division isn't over yet. Okay, we still got our sights set on it, but if you get too far behind the eight ball here, you're in real big trouble, right? You're a game and a half behind Buffalo. You still got two games against Buffalo, so you're okay, right? You're you're a game behind Miami. You got another game against Miami. You're gonna be fine. You haven't played the Jets yet, so you get those are two wins right there. So like. You have some things going for you, which is good. The issue that I have is that again, you have to win these games. You now, now these games are stacking up where you have to win them, and especially the next two for me are huge. If you lose, if you lose to San Francisco, and now you're two and four, that's a really tough hole to climb out of. I guess it. Then if you beat Buffalo and then kind of go on a run, like you can do it, but like. It's asking a lot to go two and four, and now Buffalo's five and two, and you're three games back. Like that's a long way back, you know. And so that's the issue for me, where I start to look around and say, the schedule's not getting any easier. It's not like we're playing layup teams, right? We got two games against the Jets, sure, but like you got to start winning now. And and to do that, you need the offense to play better. And listen, 
you know, we mentioned the deadline stuff, but here's the thing, right? And you mentioned Dalton Keene, and Keene finally came off of IR, and I don't know if he was necessarily ready to start yet, which is fine. You don't want to put him out there, that's fine. Asiasi's on the field. Devin Asiasi's on the field. He's running routes. He's open. Get him the freaking ball. Throw him the ball. Like, what are what the what the hell are we doing right now, you know? And Jason uh, commented on, on, on um, Twitter and said the same thing. Like, I just don't understand what they're doing with him. I, it doesn't make sense. You talk about the, the fact that he's playing well in practice and he's, you know, putting the time in. He looks good catching the ball and he's been blocking pretty well. And it's like, just throw him the ball. Just give him the ball. And, you know, sometimes maybe for Cam, I don't know if Cam likes to throw the ball downfield, but like he's got Asiasi wide open in the flat and he's not even looking at him. And so, and maybe he's, you know, a third option, third, fourth option. I don't know. You know, I don't know where the, where the reads are, of course, but like at a certain point, he needs to be able to get through those reads and say, oh, he's wide open in the flat. Let's get it to him. And then he's got some wheels. Get it to him and see what happens. If he breaks one tackle, if it's man to, if it's man, man on man coverage. And everyone's on the on the left side, and he's on the right side against against a safety, and he breaks one tackle. It's that's a thirty yard game, you know. And so that's the type of stuff where it's like sometimes just take the dump. And and for McDaniel's and the offense, we need to figure out how to use these guys. Whatever they're doing with Nikhil Harry, it isn't working. Whatever they did with Nikhil Harry on the final drive against Seattle, it worked really well. Just keep doing that and give him the ball. Like that's that's some of that stuff where it's like let's not try to you know. I feel like sometimes, you know, and this is this is a, a Belichick draft thing, but like, I feel like sometimes what we try to do is they try to bring guys in and they say, "This is our offensive system. You're going to run this system, right?" Which is fine and it's great and it's worked out extremely well for a long time because you had the quarterback and you had the system and you had the way everything ran, and it ran the way it ran. And if you can work in the system, you're great. And if you can't, see you later. And and I get that, but at a certain point, you need to say, okay. We drafted Nikhil Harry in the first round for a reason. We think he's talented. Look at all the guys they passed up. I mean, Jesus Christ. You look at the guys that, that from this year's draft and last year's draft, the talent level of the guys in these two drafts, and you draft the one guy in the first round who stinks. I mean, it's not good, right? But at a certain point, you need to look at it and say, okay, maybe what we're doing doesn't fit him perfectly. We need to do something different for him. We need to set him up to succeed, whether that's quick. Look what look what the Niners did with Debo Samuel last night. Debo Samuel cut six passes last night. Every single one of those six passes were behind the line of scrimmage. Every single one. His app target was negative three yards. That was his average depth of target was negative three yards last night. That's what you need to do. They said, you know what? Maybe Debo's not ready to like, you know, to break on these routes. But we're gonna we're gonna run him in motion. We're gonna give him all these weird throws. We're gonna throw screen passes. He's gonna come. Because that's where he's most effective. And so, yes, let's change the offense a little bit for our guys. Because that's what you do. You build your offense around the talent that you have. And so you don't have the quarterback anymore. And look, I like Cam a lot. You don't have the quarterback anymore that can make everybody great. You just don't. It just doesn't exist anymore. You don't have it. Tom Brady's not not here anymore. And, you know, and realistically, you didn't have that last year with him. So you need to now build your offense around the talent that you have instead of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole on an offense that's not going to succeed, you know? No, 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 I get it. You all made up very valid points. And I obviously, too, like, I, I see I is a very good tight end. I was just saying from a sense, we haven't seen Dalton Keene. Obviously, I, I just like to see right. him get in there. That's all I meant. But, no, like, you're 100% right, too, about how, like, if you look at how Kyle Shanahan used Debo Samuel last night or even to – Look at all the Steelers using Chase Claypool. Like, Chase Claypool got a touchdown off a jet sweep. So if we can start doing that with Nikhil Harry, stop making them do these plays where, oh, you're just trying to do long bombs to him and everything. Even if it's – I know people were getting – Patriots Twitter was getting upset yesterday with all the screens that they were running and stuff like that. But if you get Harry in those screens, you're going to set him up to succeed. And that not, I'm not saying do it all the time, but if you can do like, hey – oh, and a Cardinal interception as we're watching the game live. Um, Andy, shocking. I know, I just wanted to point that out. But um, it's just one of those things with the offensive weapons, even to, like, guys like Isaiah Zuber have come out of nowhere and surprised me because, like, the Patriots always seem to find those, like, diamonds in the rough. I'm not saying Zuber's, like, the next great wide receiver. I'm just saying, hey, he's that guy. He's good for, like, two to three receptions a game. And he and it seems right. like every time he gets the ball, he usually gets at least six to seven, like, at least seven yards. Like, I'm pretty sure a few of them have gone for first downs. Um, the biggest, like, you're right, though. The biggest thing with this is just, look, hey, 
Twelve's not walking through the door anymore. He's like, I tell people this all the time, and I prepare for this all the time, of, are you prepared for life after Tom? Are you going to stick with the Patriots after Tom? And so far, I have said yes and yes. Um, but the one big thing is, too, right now, that the Patriots, like like you said, they have to not tailor it for Cam. They have to tailor it to have Cam help everyone around him. And I like him going on the air and saying stuff like, oh, hey, the answers are in our locker room. It's just, okay, now that you say right. that, go out there and figure it out because it's not like we have a layup or a cupcake this week. We've got the defending NFC champions coming in. And I know they haven't looked good so far. and They've been banged up. But if you look at that team that played last night, I'm a little scared going into Sunday right now, especially after especially after yesterday afternoon. Right. No, it's I mean, and, and I think that's very valid, you know. And so... I, I will say that's the one thing that I've loved about Cam is his presence with the media. And, you know, everyone talks about it. Everyone in the locker room talks about the energy that he brings and, you know, the attitude that he has is just so positive. And he's always been positive with him. And, and look, on that final play, they asked him what happened on the final plays. They said, well, you know, was it a bad route or a bad throw? And instantly he said, a bad throw. Now, I don't know. I have no idea what the route was supposed to say. There are some people that are saying he should have gone outside. There are some people saying that he was in the right spot. We don't know, right? The papers aren't going to tell us. But the fact is, is that as soon as he had the opportunity, he took the blame instead of putting the blame on his receiver, right? And so, and look, Brady may have, Brady definitely wouldn't have put it on the receiver either, but he might have said something like, hey, you know, whatever, things happen, like whatever, you know. But like I think for, you know, that's that's something that you like to see. Because he's not panicking. He's not saying we need to go out and trade for Julio Jones or do this or do that. Like, he's not doing that. He's saying, look, we you know, we can figure it out here, right? And and we can we can find the answers that are in here. We just have to play better. You know, we have to execute better. And I think that that attitude works very well on this team. You know, and that's the that's a Patriots attitude anyways. But I just think, you know, I like him a lot. But again, you know, if I'm if I'm Josh Daniels, I'm sitting to him down and I'm saying, "Listen, Cam, we had a rough and look. Three guys in the offensive line go down, right? You got Joe Tooney, who is a great guard playing center. Who, you know, I mean, that's tough, right? You got Isaiah Wynn started at left guard, then he gets to move to left tackle, then Heron starts at left tackle, he gets moved to right right tackle, then on Wayne who starts, you know, at, at so he's moving all everyone's moving all over the place, right? And so, you know, just the way it was set up. Now, Hopefully, this chat is, is uh, available to come back this week. Now, whether he will or not, I don't know. But he's eligible to come back, come off of IR this week. So getting him back would be huge. If Mason can also come off COVID, now you're talking about you're getting most of your offensive line back. And even if Illuminor isn't healthy, I think even if you have Onwenu at right tackle, I'm okay with that. If you get Anders and Mason back and your offensive line you know, is win, Mason, uh, win, Tooney, Andrews, Mason, on Wayne. I'm I'm ecstatic about that. I'm happy about that. So that's fine with me. It's just getting those two guys back are, is super important, right? And that's that's really that's going to define what happens. But if I'm Josh McDaniels, I sit down and I say, "Listen, Kim, I love what you're trying to do. I love it, but you need to look short first. We're going to get the ball out of your hands quicker. We're gonna we're gonna have you drop back, and when you drop back, it's going to be quick throws. One, two, three, boom. One, two, three, boom. One, two, three. That's what we're going to do." We're going to get the ball out of your hands. We're going to run a lot of quick slants. We're going to run a lot of screens. We're going to get guys open in the flat. We're going to do all sorts of different things. And we don't want you We don't want you to get hit any more than you're already getting hit. You're going to get hit anyways because you're running the ball a little bit, and we're running read options and stuff, and that's fine. But we're going to run a quick read option, and boom, you're going to hit a seam down the sideline, right? Or you're going to run a quick read, screen, uh, uh, read option, and we're going to hit a slant. Or, or whatever the case may be, it needs to get out of his hands quicker. And that would be the number one thing that I'm talking about this week if I'm Joshua Daniels because he's going to get himself killed back there. And not only that, but we're going to turn the ball over and then guys aren't going to get open. And it's like, I mean, he completed, I think, five passes to wide receivers. Like, you just you can't have that. I mean, the best quarterback on the field on Sunday was you and him, and that's not good. So, like, that's that's not a good thing. No, you're right, and especially like what you're saying with Edelman, like you like to see those trick plays maybe once in a while. But I feel like yesterday they were just doing it, saying like, "Hey, let's just like they're literally throwing everything out there except for the kitchen sink." Like that's yep. literally what, like as soon as I saw that one play too, where uh, 
Cam caught the ball. I literally had to, for those of you who can't see, rub my eyes like, what did I just see? I'm like, okay, I get sometimes if you want to run a trick play. They did it last year too, where uh, Edel, like uh, Brady did. It. I think it was either Edel, yeah, Edelman threw it to Sanu against Philadelphia. Dorsett, yeah, Dorsett caught it in the end zone. Yep, Dorsett caught it, and then even to the most famous one was probably the Edelman to Amendola. 2014 divisional round where right. I had like multiple heart attacks watching that game at home. <laughs> um, the 14 nothing, 14 14, 28 14, 28 28, 35 28. That was a game I'll never yeah. forget. Um, yep. Left that game. I had to leave that game early. Oh, that sucks. My wife was my wife. Well, I got I had two kids at the time. My wife was sick. Oh. And uh, I went to the game anyway. To make listen, I'm going to the game. Like, hopefully you can suck it up. Yeah. And she called me with like a minute left in the half, and she's like. I, you have to come home. She's like, I, I, she's like, I'm going to be sick, and you have to put the kids to bed. And I'm like, okay. So I left. I left at halftime, and I was like, this is miserable. It was the, it was just the worst. And but I was like, what am I going to do? I had, you know. And so of course I taped the game, shut my phone off, and uh, and then of course and watched, ended up watching the game. But she's in bed, and I'm watching it in my room, and um, uh, the kids are in the next room. And I'm in my room, and so I'm, like, screaming, but, like, silently. See, anyone that's a parent has done the silent scream before, you know, and so they're like, ah, yeah, ah. you know, you're, like, screaming, but you, you're not actually making a sound. And I was going nuts watching that game. It was unbelievable. It was just one of those things where, like, oh, my, I can't believe that just happened. And, I, of course, I missed it. And I'm like, maybe, maybe like, the one of the greatest games ever played at Gillette Stadium, and I missed the entire second half, and I was just, like, oh, just absolutely miserable, but... What are you gonna do? You know, it's a family first, and that's the way it goes. But man, that one, uh, that one sucked. Exactly. At least you weren't like Mark Wahlberg and had to leave the Super that's Bowl it. early. Right. Oh yeah, had to leave. He, he had to leave. Yeah. With the air quotes there. Yeah. yeah. That's why. That's why he left. Uh, that's another game I could talk. I could talk about that all day too. Like I love. I I love. I just like Pat's Paul Pip. I love. Love the you guys take twenty eight point three percent of your tweets seriously. Like that kills me. Those jokes will never get. Old and for those of you going off track, you know what? I honestly don't care what you think because this this podcast. You know what? You know what people said. Yeah. You know what people said the Braves just threw a three-one lead. They just blew a three-one lead. Twenty-eight plus three is thirty-one. <laughs> I don't think it's a coincidence the Braves blew a three-one lead. Georgia sports are forever be the first. City of Atlanta. Uh, what was the other thing I was gonna say? But no, I just, we just got into that whole thing just because we're talking about trick plays and everything. As uh, Dallas gets called for pass interference, um, <laughs> the biggest thing with Sunday is. Like, this linebacking core, like, this is the game where I think I'm going to seriously miss Hightower. Like, because I know right away Hightower would be the guy that's defending George Kittle. Because George Kittle, too, is going to be that guy where he's going to be good. He's effect not good. He's effective in the pass game, the running game, and the blocking game. Like, so he's, like, he's the ultimate triple threat tight end. Because, like, he even admits to, he's like, yeah, I love the block. Like, he's just a guy that likes to get out there and just throw his body out there. And, like, we're like, okay, great, who's going to guard that? Luckily... I'm all saying to like, oh, luckily, even though they just have Tevin Coleman and McKinnon, it's still uh, going to be very, very interesting come Sunday afternoon. So we'll see what happens. But I'm just trying to figure out right now, too, if uh, CBS or Fox is doing the games because I know it is NFC versus NFC at AFC. So we'll wait. Uh, it should be, should be Fox because the Patriots are home. Okay. So I think it's the away the away team's market that carries the game. So I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's Fox oh, okay. um, that has it. But listen, I, I think I think with with uh, Kittle, you're going to see similar to what they've done with other tight ends, um, and that's going to be a combination of Joe Juan Williams and Kyle Duggar. Duggar got smoked um, on on one play um, in the Denver game, but he's been pretty good for the most part uh, in coverage. So we'll see. I mean, this week's going to be real tough with Kittle. Um, and the real issue is that they don't. I mean, they have they have a decent amount of speed at corner. They just don't have a ton of speed at like linebacker. And so when you you know now Mostert's going to be out, so that's a good thing. But like you said, they have Tevin Coleman. They have you know they have guys that can do it there. But like the way they run Tebow and Ayuk, you know, across the formation and they're throwing pitches to them and they're you know they're giving the ball at, you know handing the ball off to them. It's going to be really tough for them to stop, and and, uh, and that's going to be a real focus for them this week, I think, is, is kind of setting that edge and not letting those guys get outside because that's where they're going to kill you. I mean, you know, you see the little pass. Debo killed um, killed the Rams on that last night, and he's like – he runs like a maniac. I mean, he just runs in that line and bounces off three guys and then takes off. And so, um, 
that's going to be a real, real point of focus for them this week because they have a lot of weapons on offense. And Jimmy G, I don't know if he's still 100% yet. I don't know. It's it's really interesting with Jimmy G coming back into town because I don't know if they're going to keep, pick up his option or not next year. He has he has a, a massive like $28 million contract next year. Um and they can basically get out of it for nothing in the offseason, like for nothing in the offseason. Um, you know, almost no, almost no dead money. And they can basically just cut them and, and lose nothing. And so it's really interesting, you know, to kind of see what happens there. And then, you know, depending on what happens to Cam, and I'm a Stidham guy, but like then is Jimmy G available and you can kind of get him back. And so those are all those questions that are kind of up in the air. It's like, well, maybe the Patriots could end up with Jimmy G at quarterback anyways, you know? And so that's, that's kind of that interesting game that people like to play. And of course, the more games he looks bad throwing the ball, the better it is for the Patriots chances of getting him back. So it's like, if he has a bad game against Patriots throwing the ball, then it like actually increases the chances of him coming here next year. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like that whole thing where it's like, if you believe in Jimmy G, if they shut him down, well then it's like, Hey, that's one more game that, that, you know, Sam Frank can look at and say, maybe he's not, the, maybe he's not the guy that we thought he was. Meanwhile, the Patriots can kind of bring him back in, bring him back home. You know? Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. But um, the one thing I was going to say too is, I fully expect. I was thinking, going into this week thinking Belichick's going to find a way to shut him down just because he knows him, he knows what he's about. But at the same time, too, I'm like the Jimmy that's played for San Francisco for the last, I'll say, two and a half years, just because obviously 2018 towards ACL is very different, and also, too, the Patriots only really got, well, what, a game and a half full sample size of Jimmy because he got hurt uh, week two of 2016. So, it's one of those big right. things where, and also, I fully expect Stephon Gilmore to be on Debo Samuel the entire game Sunday. That's the one thing I just wanted to say. I fully expect that assignment. Mm-hmm. Just because, I, like, I was, th- I don't know, I was on lunch break today, and I was, like, thinking about it. I'm like, okay, so, in the coming weeks, Gilmore's going to block Samuel, and then Diggs, and then, uh, who really cares, probably Jameson Crowder, and then uh, probably Hollywood Brown because that ball that Baltimore game too is another game where you look at it right now and as we well know happened last year. But if our defense can play the way they played Mahomes, I'll be more confident. But we'll wait and see. Just the biggest right. thing with this team right now is you're right. I'm not going like right now the whole oh I usually do this at the beginning of each season I'll post online like no sleep till like Phoenix or like no sleep till here just saying like hey we want to get to the Super Bowl but right now I'm in the after yesterday it's that wake up call of like let's just take it one game at a time every Sunday let's see what happens and then from there we'll determine how it goes because like I just want like right now like how Bill says we're on to next opponent right now my mindset is I'm on to San Francisco right and I agree with you I mean at this point right now there is no you know we've lived the Patriots have lived right now where the Chiefs are, which is we don't care about the regular season, just get us to the playoffs. You know, like that's where we were the last 20 years, where it's like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. They play like they play. They'll go finish 12-4, and four, maybe 11-5 and five or 13-3, and three, but like whatever, January is what matters. You know, like, and that that's the way it's been for 20 years. It's not the case anymore, right? You got to worry about every single game. I'm not looking past anyone because at a certain point, Point. And that's what we did last week. We just set out the Broncos. Please, no chance the Broncos can win in Gillette. No chance. Easy win for the Patriots. And so, okay, they're three and two. They're moving on. Okay, how can we beat Buffalo in the standings? And where's gonna? No, can't do it. Can't do it because at this point right now, you look too far ahead, and you know you overlook an opponent, and all of a sudden this team isn't good enough to do that. It's just not. And they've shown you that they're not good enough to do it. And so I think you know. That attitude is 100% correct where it's like we have to just focus on the on the team in front of us. And the team, obviously, you know, the team does a great job of doing that. But I think even as fans, instead of instead of trying to, like, play out this thing of how we can get there, it's just let's focus on San Francisco. Let's take a look at that team, see what we can do. And, again, the big question now becomes, you know, what can we do on offense? Offensively, what can we do? How can we fix the problems that we've had offensively? And if we fix them – you know, is Cam then the guy? Do we want to give him an extension? And by the way, if I'm Cam Newton, I'm not signing an extension with the Patriots right now. Maybe in the offseason I will, but right now I'm not going to because the better I play, the bigger my contract will be. You know what I mean? Unless the Patriots are willing to give me, you know, a three-year 70 or three-year $90 million contract right now, sure, I'll sign that. Why not? But, like, if I'm Cam, I'm looking at it saying, well, if I play really well, I can my, – my market goes way up. 
and the Patriots are going to have tons of money in the offseason. So, like, so you know, who knows? But I feel like an extension now doesn't make any sense for either side. And so, you know, we'll see moving forward. But that's going to be the biggest question is, can we fix the problems on the offense? And then are we running something schematically? Or do we really need that many weapons? Because we didn't need weapons against Seattle. They were fine. We didn't need weapons against Miami. They were fine. We didn't need weapons against Vegas. They were fine. Now all of a sudden we need weapons again. And so it's like, well, wait a second. What is it? You know. And so that's the issue for me. Let's let's try to get the offense under control. But again, remember now, the two games they've won, they've rushed for over 200 yards. So you stop the run, and you know what do they have left? In Seattle, they had a lot. That you know, Sunday they didn't have much. Yeah, because the one thing I look at too with San Francisco is D as well. Is I'm very glad that I know it sounds very bad. But I'm just glad we do not have to face Nick Bosa. I know his injury was bad, but I'm just saying right now, like, I'm looking at it like, okay, thank God he is not out there. Because if he were, I would be, like, shitting a brick right now. Because that guy can get in, especially if our offensive line is banged up too. He's just going to have, he would just have a field day out there. Yep. Oh, yeah. But no, the, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, no, we don't want to wish an injury on anyone, of no. course. But. It, it is fortuitous for us that we don't have to face a guy like that, yeah. Yeah, because I was just thinking about San Francisco's like losses, which was who we're seeing right now in the Arizona Cardinals, and Philadelphia, which was just, I fully blame that game on Nick Mullins being a bad quarterback, and then Miami. Yep. I'm pretty sure in all those games, I'm just going to look it up quickly, because I even I know yesterday, Daryl Henderson had a pretty okay day rushing, so if, uh, I'm just going to use... I know I'm going a bit off here and just not didn't do my proper research, but I just want to see Miami's rushing what I believe it was yeah, Gaskin. Uh he averaged about three point six yards a carry, even though Mostert still did that, but even too, I'm just looking at all their touchdowns. Passing touchdown thirty two yards, passing touchdown twenty two yards, one yard run, three yard pass. Just the simple fact, like I feel like this this team Sunday, they don't they can't wait to score. They have to I think they're gonna have to score early. I'm not saying often, I'm not saying go out there and have a 40-point Arsenal attacker do like we've seen what the Cardinals are doing right now. I'm only referencing that game because it's currently on as it's Monday Night Football. Just go out there, score, stop, and then see what happens from there. But we can't be playing catch-up on Sunday. I think we have to be the team that carries the momentum. Because even if we go down 3 nothing, that panic and fear is going to start to settle in. And that's a feeling I know no football fan likes, especially you and I, when it comes to this team. Yeah, no, and that's that's a huge. I mean, that's a great point because this team is not built to play from behind. They're not. They're really not. You know, they're built to play with a lead. And you know, the question is how how effectively can they throw the ball when they have to? You know, and like I said, Seattle they look great doing it, but Seattle's defense, Seattle's secondary is terrible. And and I don't know how good San Francisco's defense, how how good San Francisco's secondary is either. But they play pretty darn good on Sunday. So you know, we'll see what happens. But like. This team needs a lead. They need a lead. So you're right. Get out early. Score early. Get up. And then run the heck out of the ball and see if you can just pound them into submission and win that way. And that's that's how you're going to win a lot of your games this year if you're the Patriots. The problem is, and we saw this, you know, you see this with, um, you start with Baltimore against Kansas City. And you saw where Baltimore in the playoffs the last two years. It's not sustainable. I don't think that this type of offense is sustainable long term. I just don't. Because when push comes to shove, if they can stop you running the ball, you have to be able to throw it. And if you can't, you lose, you know. And and unfortunately, right now, there are serious questions as to whether they can do that. And so they're going to have to prove that they can throw the ball without being able to run it. And and listen, this all could be a massive overreaction. It could be because they had no practice time and canceled off for the last two weeks. And, and, you know, they could come out and just blow doors on Sunday and everyone could be like, whoa, all of a sudden, we're feeling great again. The Patriots are 3-3. Three and three. They look great last weekend. Like, now they're going to Buffalo and they get a chance to, you know – to get within a game of, of the division, right? And and everything could be rosy on Monday morning. But we could also play San Francisco and look bad again, lose again, and now you're like, oh, no, now we're 2-4 and four going into Buffalo. We lose, and, and and basically at that point, the season's over. You go 2-5. and five. You start off 2-5 and five with a loss to Buffalo that way. You're not catching the Bills unless they just completely fall apart. And, you know, and at that point, it's kind of like, you're not going to make the playoffs either. Like it's almost like bench cam and start sit mode because you know let's let's play for let's play for a, a draft pick and then at that point it's like let's see what we have in Sidham and if he's really the next guy we don't have to worry about drafting another quarterback. You know it's just 
unfortunately, that's how important these two games are because you get behind the eight ball too far, and it's like, yikes, you, you're not going to catch up, you know? No, 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 I get that completely. I get that 100%. Like, two and five is pretty much a death sentence because then basically to make the playoffs, they'd have to go at least two and five. Let's just do some quick math. Five and two down the stretch to have a chance because right. even though there is that seventh team this year, it's honestly open season in the AFC. Obviously, besides, I would say Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee. Besides those four teams, I think five, six, and seven, it's 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 anyone's game. And I'm not, obviously, there's going to be right. one in the AFC East, whether it's New England, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's Miami. I'm not thinking it's Miami. I'm just having to say them now just because I don't want, like, Miami fans being, I mean, like, oh, why didn't you mention our team? And I can go, like... Okay, chill. Like obviously, I did, you actually I did. Then I can go. Hey, I did. You guys are in the conversation. But right. that seventh spot, even though like Patriot fans cannot bank on making that seventh spot, especially if we lose games like this or there. No, we have to go out there and play consistently good football. Like Belichick's gonna have to find ways to win. Because even to, I know there was that. But I didn't hear the audio. Someone sent it to me, being like, "Oh, is this you, that uh, Boston radio host who said like giving up on Belichick and stuff?" I, I don't know the full quote to it, but apparently the guy like oh, has Felger. Been... The... Ah, it's yeah. foolish. Felger's an idiot. I mean, yeah. there's no no one needs to listen to that crap. I mean, yeah. Bill Bill is Bill, right? He's the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. And and listen, he made some mistakes on Sunday. Not challenging that James White call, I think, was a big mistake. But then Tony Maz chimes in with a two point conversion. And, and let me just let me get that straight right now. Going for that two point conversion wasn't it wasn't wrong. It was one hundred percent correct. That is the that is the absolute correct decision. And anyone that thinks it wasn't the correct decision is an idiot. I mean, as far as I'm, and I don't maybe that's a little strong, but like the fact is, you have to get a two point conversion to tie the game. You have to. You don't have a choice. You're down fifteen. You have to get a two point conversion. And so, what is the point of kicking the extra point there and still being down eight? So it's like great. We get one drive, we score with two seconds left, now we don't get the two-point conversion, we lose. If you don't get it there, now you know you're down two scores. So you now have to get two scores. If you wait till the end of the game and there's two seconds left because you only need one score, because you're only down one score, then you score, now you have to get the two-point conversion or you lose. And that's the thing where it's like you have to get it at some point anyways. You, if you get it there, then you know you're you're already down two points. So now you know we have to score twice. So and then if you get it, then you're only down. Of course, you're down seven, and you're good to go. But if you don't, now it's like okay. Now if we get the ball back and score a touchdown, we're gonna have to kick an onside kick, or maybe you say okay, get the ball back, and we have a minute left to go in the game. Let's kick a field goal. Now we can kick an onside kick and try to get the ball. And so. That- that's the stuff for me where it's like, yeah, like, okay, you maybe you want to give yourself hope or something, something stupid like that. But giving yourself hope that you're going to get the two-point conversion later doesn't actually help you win. It just, you know, it just delays you having to get the two-point conversion. So that's something where it's like guys that don't know stuff about analytics and guys that don't understand the game and the way the game is played now, they don't get those things, right? Tony Maz isn't going to get that. And Michael Felger is not going to get that, right? That's for the nerds to, to know, you know, like that's what they say. But like, that's the way the game is played. They pay attention to that stuff. Like, you have to get the two-point conversion at some point. You might as well get it then because what the hell difference does it make? You know, it's just like that's the, that's the stuff for me where it's like, yeah, get it now. And the, and it worked out for the Patriots, by the way. Like, it worked out. They didn't get it. They kicked the field goal. They went down six. So now they get the ball back with a chance to score again. And so that's the thing is, like, you look at it and say, well, yeah, like, it, it worked out for them, really, because they knew they needed, to, they needed two more possessions. So – Anyways, it's just it's one of those things where it's like anyone that's trashing Belichick at this point, and look, I hated the fact that he didn't he didn't uh, challenge the James White spot. It made no sense to me that why he didn't do that. I didn't get it at all. Um, but he didn't. He made a mistake, you know. And I think I think looking back at the tape, he'd tell you he made a mistake. Um, but the fact is, is that right now at this point, we don't need to question Belichick, right? We need to sit there and say, oh, he's done this, and he hasn't done that, and he hasn't done this, and he. Well, the fact of the matter is, two weeks ago, everyone was talking about how, you know, he, he uh, after week two, right, everyone was like, the Patriots got Cam Newton. You guys let the Patriots get Cam Newton. And Bill Belichick did it to everyone again. And, this and, that. and now, all of a sudden, he didn't do anything. And he's a terrible GM, and he's and he's this, and he's that, and he's washed, and he's... And it's like, well, 
it's been three weeks. Like all of a sudden, he went from the best GM ever to the worst GM ever in three weeks. Like, come on, it's just it's it's foolish. And so, but they you know they need to, they need to fill a four hour show, so they got to talk about something, you know. Yeah. Um, the one thing too that I love that the media does is how yesterday, like I said, Brady and the box whooped Aaron Rodgers, and if Brady was on the opposite end of that, everyone would be like, oh. It's time to hit the panic button. Brady's falling off a cliff. Fuck you, Max Kellerman. Um, and, like, how all, all this stuff, like, oh, he's old and stuff. Like, Drew Brees is the same thing, too. And then that, yesterday, it's, oh, Aaron Rodgers just had a bad game. It's like, why do they always make certain like certain quarterbacks and narratives? Like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers looked bad yesterday. Green Bay straight up got exposed. Like, the same thing as last year, too, for having a terrible run. That's just one bone I want to pick quickly is how I love how, and even to, like, the Patriots. Oh, Patriots have a bad game. Oh, it's time to panic. It's time to get scared. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers loses his first game to Tampa, and all of a sudden it's, oh, if Tampa's defense can continue to play like this, they're going to the Super Bowl. Like, I'm not hating on Brady or Tampa. I'm just saying I really hate how the media always flips that narrative to like where certain teams where it's, oh, the earth's falling down just because of one bad loss. Meanwhile, for Rodgers, it's just, oh, yeah, he'll get over it. Right. And that's and that, that's what that they have. They have their boys. They have their guys, you know. Aaron Rodgers is, is their little whoopee, and they want to talk about how great he is. And they, I'm doing the same thing tonight. You know, if you watch the game today, the Josh Allen, the uh, the Chiefs Bills game, right? Every time Josh Allen threw a bad pass, it was, you know, it was uh, Josh Allen. You know, his his accuracy problems are really bad. You know, and then Mahomes missed a pass, and they say, "Wow, the weather is really bad out here." You know, it's just like they make excuses for guys, and they don't make excuses for other guys. It's just because that's what they do. They, the narrative is that this guy is great. And so the guy isn't great, and so they they're pushing that. They're constantly pushing that narrative. And when you get a guy as good as Brady, right, and a guy as talented as Rodgers, you look at it, Rodgers, and and the only explanation that people have for Rodgers not being good enough is that he wasn't in the right position, he wasn't in the right system, he wasn't there, he wasn't this, he wasn't that. Because Brady doesn't wow you like Rodgers does or like Mahomes does. So you're looking at it saying. How is it possible that, that guy is better than Mahomes and Rodgers? That doesn't make any sense because I see Mahomes and Rodgers running around like crazy. And it's like, well, yeah, but, like, maybe that's not the best thing for your offense. Like, did you ever think that maybe, like, that's not the best thing for your offense? Maybe, like, the best thing for your offense is a, a three- to five-step drop, and then you get the ball quickly and let your playmakers make plays. You know, like, maybe that's the best thing for your for your offense. So it's like that's the type of stuff where they just can't seem to understand that, and they want to push these narratives about – well, this guy is more talented. Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady. What's like? Is he though? Is he? I mean, Tom Brady has ten drives, ten, one zero, ten drives in the fourth quarter or overtime of the Super Bowl that either tied the game or took the lead. Ten. Second on the list is Eli Manning with three. So, like, you're talking about a guy in the Super Bowl that is as much as human is always scoring late. To either tie the game or take the lead. I mean, it's what he does on a daily, like constantly, nonstop. And by the way, remember, I'm only talking about lead changing rules, lead changing scores, right? So we're not talking about any of the scores from Atlanta except for the game tying touchdown and the winning touchdown in overtime. And we're not talking about the first score in the Seattle Super Bowl because they were down four, they were down ten. So you were taking away multiple touchdowns from from the Atlanta game and a touchdown from the Seattle game. And so that's the type of stuff where it's like you look at it and say. There is no doubt. There is no doubt that Brady is the greatest, but the media's got to push the narrative, and the media also. Can, I mean, look what they do with LeBron and and and, uh, and Jordan. It's just like it's nonstop. Who's the best? Who's this? Who's that? And it's like, well, if you just look at it, right? Brady's clearly the best. And if everyone just said Brady's the best, well, then it would be boring. So they have to come up with, well, you know, if Rogers was in New England, he'd have twelve rings. And it's like, okay, sure, fine, like you idiot, but like. But they have to do that because otherwise, you know, if you just had the whole panel, it's like, yep, the Brady's the GOAT, obviously, you know, like, and there's got to be one idiot that's screaming about, you know, Brady sucks and he's this and he, I mean, Max Kellerman was saying he was over the, he was going to fall off a cliff in 2013, 2013, seven years ago, you know, and he's still on it and he's still going to say he's right when Tom Brady at 47 retires and he's like, I see, I told you, I told you he was done, you know, and it's just like, okay, all right, Max, whatever you say, buddy, it just, uh. It drives me nuts. And I said to I said to a friend of mine who, who covers Tampa, I said, you know what? I'm glad that you're the one defending him now and not me. I defended him for a long time. And, of course, I still defend him. But I don't have to defend him every day like you do. Like, that's your guy. Now you got to defend him. And, of course, Brady's still the GOAT and everything else. And I'll defend that. But, like, 
I don't have to fight with people anymore about how Brady's actually a good quarterback. I'm done with that fight, you know? Exactly. Like, even to, um, what was the other one I was going to say, too? I love how everyone's, like, praising all of a sudden down there, like, oh, Byron Leftwich is his offensive genius. I'm like, no, he's not. I'm like, we'll give that some time. The one thing I'll only credit Tampa for, though, is that Todd Bowles is a damn good defensive coordinator and how he shut down Aaron Rodgers. But yes. you're 100% right with everything, how they choose their narratives. Because like, And I also hate that narrative, oh, if Ro- if Rodgers was in New England, he'd have won this many. It's like, yeah, I know you have to create those narratives just to create talking points so that like, if you and I are at work at the water cooler or like if you're at the bar with your buddies, you can have these dumb conversations, even though there's people right. out there who get paid to do that. And we do this here for fun, but we also do it here because we love this game and we love this team. Like I say, too, when people ask me all the time with Patriots, I know how long you've been. I've been a Patriots fan. I am 26 right now. I've been a Pats fan since I was seven years old. Seven. First ever game I saw was... Look at that. All the way up in in Ontario. Yes. All the way up in Ontario. You know? First ever game I saw was the... It's a funny story, actually. The uh, It was the Tuck Rule game. I remember my family was in Disney, and there was a group of tourists from Boston on the bus, because there's like a bus from, I guess, the airport to the hotel, and they put on the game, and then my parents said, you were just up there, like, cheering with them and everything, and ever ever since that moment, I have, like, loved this team. Like, that's just my end I'll be okay. Like, whenever, for years, everyone's like, oh, what's life going to be like after Brady? I say, <coughs> actually getting emotional right now, defending this, but... Brady's the reason why I got into football, but I am not leaving my fandom just because of some roadblocks that we got to face now. Have I been lucky? Yes. Right. But, and also to the one people think people sometimes I've been asked is, were you there for the painful suffering? And I always say, I was not alive for that because I was born in 1993. Well, that's it. Yeah. Right. It's not your fault. It's not your fault you were born later. Like, it's not, you know. Yeah. Most people are like, oh, these bandwagon fans. Like, well, yeah, but like, that's all they know. Like, what do you want them to do? They're 20. Like, yeah. they weren't alive. <laughs> it's not their fault. You know, like, it's just, you know, that's, that's a mess. I mean, listen, I got made fun of in middle school. In middle school, I got made fun of for wearing Patriot stuff to school. I grew up in the Boston area. I'm like, it's a hometown team. You can't make fun of me for wearing Patriot stuff. Like, yeah, they suck. I'm like, dude, but, but that's the team, man. Like, what do you mean? You can't. Root for the damn Cowboys. Like, they're the friggin' they're in Dallas. We're in New England. Like, you gotta root for the Patriots. And so, and that, of course, that was, that was 1996. They went to the Super Bowl that year. And that, <laughs> all that stuff ended. And then everyone was wearing Patriots stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's funny. Now you're all wearing Patriots. You're all Patriots fans now. It's interesting, yeah. you know? But that's, that's when things change for the kids, you know? Because the kids don't know. They just want to win, you know? Yeah. But for the adults and stuff, a lot of adults are, uh, were fans from the beginning and, and still are and whatever. And so, that's the big thing, right? And and I'm happy that you're doing it, right? It's like, hey, you won all those years, fine. But if you're really a Patriots fan, you stick it out now. Because, yeah, maybe we win the division, maybe we don't. Maybe we're great, maybe we aren't. But, like, it's still your team, you know? And you can be, and listen, people, I get upset on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, this team sucks today, and this and that. And people are like, oh, aren't you a fan? And I'm like, well, yeah. But, like, me being a fan gives me the right to bitch about my team. That's what I'm supposed to do. Like, that's my job, you know? And so it's uh, there's a difference between being a fan of the team and like just saying everything is great and not having any problems, you know, you you have to air your grievances at some point, and I'm I'm I've been happy to do that with you today, you know. Yeah, and also too, I don't want to be that fan where the you have the gift of the dog in the burning room where it's like everything's fine, everything's fine. Like no, I do not want to be that fan. I'm the guy who I'm the guy who tweets that out when there's situations like yesterday, or you think that where you're like, yeah, everything's fine, everything's fine, and then you watch the Bucks and the thing, and you see pain when you see. And that's one thing I will say to you is I was not mad at Tom for leaving. I was more mad at Gronk coming out of retirement to go join him in Tampa. That pissed me off more than uh, anything else. I'm sorry, who? Gronk, the Gronk leaving, Gronk coming out of retirement. I don't know who that. Okay. I don't. I don't know who that is. Okay. I don't know. Who yeah, that, that weird. I don't, I don't know what. I don't know what player. I don't know what player you speak of. That's, he's dead. Uh, he, there's some. There's a. There, there was a tight end that played here. He's dead to me now. But there was a tight end that played here now. Oh, he, he died, as far as I'm concerned. So that's good enough for me. I'm done. Friggin' done with that guy, dude. See you later. Okay. Good luck. Good riddance. See ya. Don't ever come back. Yeah. That's how I feel about Gronk. And I'm with you 100%. Yeah. I, just, I can't. I just I can't with that guy. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I want to say quickly, too, just to like the all points we're talking about, is I, part of, like, and also to everyone saying, oh, you've been so lucky, so fortunate, all this stuff. I'm like, yeah. But then to the other thing I was going to say, too, is. You're going to have a crop of kids in 10 years from now who are all Kansas City Chief fans. Like, you're going to have that. It's just inevitable. Every so often, like how you have all these older fans now who are Cowboys, you rarely see anyone under the age of 30 anywhere else in the world who is a Dallas Cowboys fan. Like, the only people I know 
in my area is a family friend of mine. They're cowboy fans, but they're in their fifties. They're older because that's who they grew up on. Then you're gonna have like my cousin, for example, who's a Green Bay fan because when he grew up, Brett Favre was the guy. So you have all these people yep. who don't live in the traditional NFL markets. With everyone for me, oh, why aren't you a Bills fan? Yada yada yada. I'm just like well, Patriots were good. Maybe if the Bills were good at that time, I'd be a Bills fan or who else? But when you're a kid, you just want to find. You just like you said, you root for who's best. It's like why with right. you have all these kids, all these guys my age now who are LeBron fans. Why you're gonna have all these kids growing up who are Connor McDavid, Edmonton Oilers fans? Like it's just one of those things right. that well, it's inevitable. And it's a great. It's a great point, and not only that, but you know, you talk about out of market or, or you know, like you guys don't really have a team, and so the games that you're getting are the national games, and so who's on the national games? Typically, the good teams, and so you know, those good teams get more national games, which means you see them more often, and of course, they're good, so you enjoy rooting for them, and you don't have a vested interest in any of the teams, so you see them, and you're like, that's a cool team, I like that guy, or I like the way this guy plays, or. That team is always, you know, smoking people and this and that. And it's like, hey, I like that guy. And, and so and, and that's how it happens, because, you know, again, if you have a team in your market and your parents are already a fan of that team, then, of course, you're going to become a fan of that team. Well, mostly. Right. Most of the time. Of course, that doesn't happen all the time. But like if you're out of market somewhere and you don't have a hometown team and your parents aren't already a fan of something. Well, you're going to become a fan of what you see. And so, of course, you're going to see Good teams more often than you're going to see bad teams. And that's how it happens. And of course, so, so that's that's what happens, you know? Exactly. The only teams I could say that I'm not a fan of because of, like, they're in my market, there's only one. But, like, for example, um, for hockey, you bring me pain in 2013, 18, and 19. I think you can figure out who I cheer for. <laughs> Um, I got yep. to be very happy last year when the Raptors beat the thing. And even, too, I still get the excuse from people of, like, how... I remember this, too, 2015, I was wearing a Pats hoodie, and someone said, like, oh, you didn't win that game. Like, I love when people use the excuse of, you did not win that game, they lost the game. Like, when Seattle lost, right. and Atlanta lost. I'm like, um, so if they lost that game, that means we had to win the game. So, uh, yeah, that no. happened. But then... That you, doesn't... That doesn't work, yeah. The only thing I was going to say, too, with that with Superstars was at the time when I was, like, 10 or 11, when the Leafs were really bad... Uh, there is this Russian superstar that came out of Emergence, so I also happen to root for the Washington Capitals as well because I'm a really big Alex Ovechkin fan. There you go. Ovi. It's hard not to to root for that guy, you know? Exactly. That's the only thing I just wanted to say about that with every one of their NFL teams where it's like, oh, you're this, this, this. But I think you're right. The real true fandom is determined whether, like right now, for all I know, I could just pack up my things and just say, oh, hey, I'm a Kansas fan now. No, I'm not doing that. I've invested too much time, too much money. I've been here for the good, but you know what? I was waiting for this. I've been prepping for this for the last seven, eight years just because you didn't know when Tom was going to retire because if he was getting old, I didn't really realize the whole stuff. And also, too, the one thing i got to say that I have a love-hate relationship with is the whole, oh, Brady wanted to go because of the whole like Alex Guerrero stuff, when in reality, I think it was you who tweeted this out, that no, Brady left because Belichick knew that he did not want to pay him the money that Brady was looking for. It was a very right. tough leave, but like, look, and a lot of people can say, oh, Belichick's just this robot and everything. No. For as much as Belichick's very, like, mute, or not mute, but, like, just kind of keeps to himself and doesn't say a lot to reporters, he's probably the smartest football mind out there, and he can say, like, look, if we give Tom this money now, we're not going to be able to invest in other pieces around him. So, for now, we'll just get a quarterback, which was Cam, even though people are saying as Buda Baker gets an interception for Dallas and he's running it back. Um, Bill knew right away, hey... This may not end well for uh, if we keep Tom because then I even had my friend who's a Dolphins fan become a quasi-Patriots fan because he was just like, you don't want to do what the Giants did with Eli Manning. Now, obviously, Brady's a much better quarterback than Eli Manning was, even though he holds two Super Bowls for us, and that makes me painfully sad and mad and a lot of different yeah. emotions. Um, he was just saying he didn't want to see it in the sense of Tom kind of wear out his welcome or even to like how you see certain head coaches, like how I always say this too, where... I think Dan Quinn should have been fired last at the end of last season instead of hanging on to him for the bit of 2020 that he was around for. Yeah, I agree. So it's kind of that situation where it was like, look, they knew it was time to go. It's a thing that sucks. I would, If there's fans allowed at NFL games next year, I would love to be at that game where he comes back, but I know I would probably have to cut my leg off to be able to afford to go to that game on the resale market. <laughs> So that's yep yeah yeah probably would because it's probably going to be Sunday night football. It's going to be it's, that game's going to be the biggest deal in the world. That's the only other thing I'm sad about with him gone though is I would have loved to have seen Brady versus Jimmy. 
That's the only thing I have to say about this coming Sunday. Just to see kind of like yeah. the, those two, like the, the quote-unquote wolf pack go up against each other. Oh, which is totally true. I mean, that would have been that would have been awesome. You know, but it yeah. just, listen, it's one of those things for me. And and, I, and you're right. I, I was one that tweeted out. I've been saying it all year. Like, Bill was the one that made the decision. It wasn't up to Tom. And I, yeah, okay, Tom eventually left, of course. But, like, Bill decided, you know, Bill knew Tom won multiple years. And he didn't give it to him. And he didn't give it to him on purpose because he said, you know what? You know, we're, you're not worth it, so I'm not doing it. He didn't do it last year. He wasn't going to do it this year either. And Tom knew that. And so the writing was on the wall, and so he left. And that's fine. You know, and uh, and listen, I was convinced. I was 100% convinced he was coming back. I really, really thought he was coming back. And, of course, he didn't. And, you know, and I hope I get the opportunity to cheer for him when he comes back. Because I'll tell you what, he's going to get the, the biggest standing ovation that Gillette Stadium's ever seen. Uh, people are going to cheer nonstop for Brady. They're going to be chanting Brady all game. And he'll be on the other team, and it doesn't matter because it's Tom Brady. And 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 as he should, he's the greatest player that's ever played, and he's he's done more for this franchise than probably any player has ever done for a franchise ever. And so, and he deserves it. But again, it's you know, it ended in a certain way, and and it just it is what it is. And at a certain point, you got to look at it and say, you know what, moving on from that, and we're just saying, hey, you know, it, it, it went the way it went, and Bill made the decision. And like I said, and I, and I'll stand by that. I'll stand by that. I wrote that before the decision was even made. Um, I'll stand by that. I, I think that Bill is the one that made it, you know, and Bill had the opportunity. If he had given the Drew Brees deal last year, not even this offseason, last offseason, if he would given the Drew Brees deal two years, $50 million, he would have taken. Brady would have taken and he would have stuck around. And then maybe he would have retired after this year. Maybe he wouldn't have. I don't know. Right. But he didn't. And and there's a reason that he didn't. And we can disagree with that and, or we can agree with that. It doesn't matter what we, you know, what we thought of that. He decided not to, you know, and so. And so you just have to look at it and say, okay, well, I'm not happy about it, of course, but Bill's going to do what he thinks is best, and if that's what he thought was best, then that's what we've got to roll with. I could not agree with you more on any of those points. Like you, like tonight, honestly, usually after a week of football on the Monday night game, I go back and I just look back at all these games, but I'm like, look, I knew you and I had this date planned for a few weeks now, and I was like, after yesterday, I just wanted to come on here air grievances out, talk about whatever we wanted to make this a purely Patriots podcast because I also have a good community of friends who live in different areas. Like, the one guy who comes here on here often is from South Carolina, big Patriots fan. I have multiple, like I said, I have friends here who are Patriots fan. My girlfriend's a Patriots fan. I remember when she told me, I sent her, a, like, a just Tom Brady, like, let's go, just fist-pumping gift because I was like, like I, like, I think I found the best girl ever. Because, like, I know that she will watch football with me on Sundays and put up with me when I'm freaking out. Um, I'm stressing because, God damn it. Like, even though, too, when some people say, like, oh, football, why, like, why do you freak out so much during football? I'm like, because it's the one thing that just gives me, uh, just, get, it, being a football fan is like being on a roller coaster sometimes. And unfortunately, we've always been stuck at the top for a while, but now we're kind of making those drops down. But hopefully there's that second, just, second, like, uh, elevation going up and up and up, and hopefully we get that soon. And by soon, I mean six days from now. Let's hope so, right? Yeah, let's hope so. But um, I'm just, like, losing my train of thought right now. But it's literally also, too, it's like I've heard people say this before, and I always hear David Baker say this, the Andre the Giant of the football world, just by his height and stature. Yeah. But whenever he knocks on someone's door, and he always says, for those of us who played the game and for those of us who love the game. And I'm like, that is true. Like, why I free... And also, too, that's one thing I want... I just love this game, but... During this whole quarantine pandemic, I always look forward to I'm like, hey, there's a silver lining at the end of this tunnel, and I know football is going to play. And so far, they've been making it work. Unfortunately, we are the team that's gotten bit by the COVID bug a few times. Hopefully, no more of that. I don't know, right? Yeah. Yeah, no more of that. But anyway, whew, we got a lot off our chests. I feel much better. My mental my mental levels are back and great now. Thank you very much for basically today. I feel like, Pat, you and I played therapist for one another, where it's like, we just got to come on yep. here, talk football, talk about the Patriots, get our grievances out. Like you said too, we did we did put out earlier today saying that, hey, if you guys have any thoughts, we had, we only got the one reply. But you know what, the guy was right. Uh, I'm gonna give him a quick shout out. I just gotta pull up my Twitter um, about Devin Asiasi. Asi, yep. excuse me. Like, um, at, I'm gonna try uh, Ranieri Jason. Um, He's 100% right. Like, we're all right. It's just literally now, like, and I said this too, going to the season, this season is Pandora's box in the sense of we don't know what we're going to expect right now. 
like when we first opened it up, it was great. It was good. And then now there's the Roblox, and it is almost. DeAndre Hopkins has a huge run, and it's about to be 35 to 3 for the Cardinals. Uh, score I did not expect to see happen. But um, anyway, I know I'm going off thought. I know I'm going off because that topic, that's why I do a lot. But Pat. I gotta say, thank you very, very much for coming on today. I hope you had a great time talking Patriots with me. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it, and I, uh, I did. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was, uh, it was fun, and like you said, man, just getting everything off my chest. You know what I mean? And, uh, and not having to worry about anything, and just, uh, just airing all our grievances. You know, it was like a, it was like a festivus. Uh, we just aired all our grievances about the Patriots, and, uh, you know, and, and just, and just kind of, just kind of about them to be honest with you and i needed that you kind of had to get that you got to get that out every now and again especially when your team plays plays so poorly and so i uh, appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do it it's been fun coming on here and uh you know maybe we'll do it again sometime you're always more than welcome back i say that to every guest that i've had on i've had guests from who are reporters and insiders for not reporters and insiders but just people who have podcasts for different teams like i've actually interviewed a giants fan and a bills fan believe it or not but um as a Patriots fan, you're always welcome to come back on. If you guys want to check out any of Pat's writings, just follow at Pat's Pulpit. And also to listen to him and uh, Ryan Spagnoli on the uh, Patriots Nation podcast, which I'd like to say Ryan first had the reports of the positive tests that came up Friday that nearly made my heart sink. But anyway, guys, give them yep. listen to Thanks their podcast, good. give them follows. And all I got to say, guys, for episode 31, airing your grievances, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. And, Pat, any last words? Oh, that's it, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys and appreciate you coming, uh, having me come on. Uh, thanks. And it was been, it's been fun. And hopefully, hopefully we'll get a win in a few days and we we'll don't have to air any, any more grievances. You know what I mean? It'll be nice. Exactly. I know what you mean. But anyway, guys, I'm going to end with this. We're on to San Francisco. Good night for now. That's right. Take care, man. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.